Hey, it's Josiah. Before we get started with this episode, I have something very special to share with you. You know, we've delved deep into what it means to be an Enneagram 5 together for the past few years, especially with our friend of the show, Sam Greenberg, or as many of you know her, the Enneagram expert. And now we want to go even deeper with you. We've worked together with Sam to craft an online workshop exclusively for type 5s to help you unlock the secrets of connection with every Enneagram type. This is not just another generic workshop. It's a deep dive into understanding and nurturing relationships tailored specifically for your unique perspective. Imagine getting practical, actionable insights on connecting with each of the nine Enneagram types all through the lens of a type five. Sam's going to guide you on how to build meaningful relationships, sharing strategies and insights specifically designed for fives. I've seen firsthand how Sam's insights can transform understanding and communication. And I'm so excited to partner with her to bring this exclusive workshop to you. Whether you're looking to deepen current relationships or navigate new ones, this workshop is a game changer for fives seeking genuine connection. Spots are limited, and trust me, you don't want to miss this. So head over to Enneagram5.com connection to secure your place and begin your journey towards richer, more authentic connections. Once again, go to Enneagram5.com connection or visit the link in the description to get your ticket to the workshop today. So, Cody. Yes? Why do you even get out of bed in the morning? At this point, I'm I trained like a dog. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, actually. That's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I wake up every morning and I kind of ask myself that question. I mean, honestly, the only reason why I get out of bed every morning is because I wake up and I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, even in, <laughs> in some mornings, I don't even care about that. <laughs> just go right in the bed. I just well, I just hold it until I can't anymore. I'm just like, you know, shortening the life of my ever aging bladder. You right. know, it's so. <laughs> Yeah, I. It's a little harder to do that when you have you know toddlers jumping on your stomach. Like yeah. that's usually how I wake up in the mornings. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Again, a reminder that I'm glad I don't have kids. Um, yeah, I just having to get up in the morning. Well, and you know, dogs have to be taken out in the morning. Sometimes they're mm. a little bit more persistent, I guess. But yeah, I, and it's and sometimes like working from home, it's like it's worse because. I know that it's really just up to me to start work. Like no one's expecting me to, I mean, people expect me to be there at a relatively specific time, like be Mm -hmm. online or whatever. Yeah. Getting out of bed in the morning is a great place to start with this conversation because it is definitely (laughs) oftentimes, especially depending on what part of my never ending cycles of emotional instability, like where I'm at in that, it, you know, some days I really have to be like, do I need a job? (laughs) <laughs> do I need to do anything? Like, can I just implode my life and lay here forever? You Go know? live in the woods? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I've thought about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it circles my brain all the time. It's like, after you get through an entire idea where you deconstruct all things like religion and death and mm-hmm. everything, and you're like, 
if nothing matters, if we don't have any like being on high telling us or judging us for what we're doing or not doing, like my first thought after religion was, okay, but then does anything matter at all? Or do, can I just start like, I don't know, tearing my house down and no one's going to stop me, you know, like, I don't know, like you could just set things on fire just to watch it burn, you know? Yeah. And so... I was really close to becoming the Joker. <laughs> just going to set the world on fire to watch the world burn. Um, I don't know. I just I had to go through that whole phase. And I, I think sometimes I still go back to it and think about like, I don't know. I mean, how much time do we spend at jobs that don't matter, uh, doing things that don't matter yeah. and while we're missing out on things that to us would matter, like yeah. spending time with your kids or traveling the world and seeing things, like actually making the most of our experience. How much time do we just spend doing... <laughs> nothing for money, yeah. which is paper that we give to other people for junk that we don't need. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's just a constant cycle. Now we're going to, this conversation is going to quickly oh. become about capitalism. Oh, dude, if you, if, if, <laughs> if you were hoping to like get this, you know, uh, uplifting message and all oh, the whole episode wrapped in the bow. I I think that like this is this episode has the least chance. Of happening. Yeah. I, we talked about this. Uh, a bit in the religion episode and we got into a little bit, but I think we wanted to dig in a little bit further because when you get down at the sort of the lower levels of what we're calling levels of development or the levels of health of a, of a five, uh, essentially what you have is just a complete schizo nihilist, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I've been there. I yeah, mean, so have I. I, I have like, I constantly go back to this picture in my head it's Josiah in college in his parents' basement in a black hoodie in the dark watching anime for hours on end. Like I've visually, physically seen that version have. of Josiah. Because <laughs> I was in your parents' basement. You were in my basement doing that. <laughs> I wanted the world to go away because I didn't feel like anything mattered. I didn't matter. The world didn't matter. Everything was meaningless. And I felt little to no desire to do anything. I feel like I go through that a lot in my life in short spurts. And I, but sometimes I think too, like how often society has developed within us, right? Like they've kind of brainwashed us into being like little, little animals of productivity <laughs> and, and work, you know, little workhorses. And we're just ants <laughs> in the maze. Every time I try to sit down and relax for too long, some nowadays I feel like I'm being unproductive, like mm. I should be doing something else. Yeah. You know, it's hard to sit down for me these days. Like when I was younger, I had no problem sitting down and binging an entire show, which we've talked about when you watched all of Lost. <laughs> But, you know, it's uh, I can't do that anymore. I can't just sit and watch episode after episode after episode because after a couple of hours, I feel like I should do something more productive. And even when like I'm unwinding at night and catching up with my brother on video games, I have a max where like after two hours, I'm like, I got to get up and do something else. Even if it's 1 a.m. and all I can do is go to bed. I'm like, well, I guess I should go to bed because I have work in the morning or whatever the thing is. Uh, and then the cycle starts all over where I don't want to get out of bed. And then, <laughs> you know, it's just, and then I'm just working my way through the day to get back to the thing in the morning, in the evening. I also too think that there's a whole other side of this too, which is what some might call pipe dreams or like the creative side that you kind of, I spend so much of my life wishing I could just do that, whatever the creative thing is. I wish that my entire job was this podcast or that my entire job was 
playing music or writing music or creating music or anything in that creative space. I always have wanted to do that full time. I've always wanted to do that. And so it's easier for me to get into kind of a nihilistic place of like, why the why do we have to do anything? Because mm. I, I hate it. And, and like, I don't want to do it if I hate it. And so, uh, you know, especially in the past, like uh, with jobs and stuff, I would get to that place very quickly because it wasn't what I really wanted to be doing. It was just the thing that I had to do while I was thinking about the thing that I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And so when you're not allowed to ever do the thing you want to do, because you have to do all these things you have to do, it's very easy to get into this place where you're like, why, why does, why does anything fucking matter? <laughs> and why does it have to matter to me? Right. Yeah. I spiral very quickly. And, and here's the thing though, the job doesn't make a difference in that regard because I have the cushiest of cushy tech jobs, right? Yeah. (laughs) I love my job. (laughs) You really lucked out. And I get paid absurdly well. Yeah. And I feel like all I do is just like talk out of my ass all day and magically things happen and I get rewarded for it. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's basically how I feel about my job sometimes. Is your old boss still listen to this podcast? (laughs) Probably yes. Yeah. Hopefully, my new my new boss doesn't. But <laughs> but no, like seriously, like you know, I I recognize that I am delivering a certain amount of value to the company and to our customers and to right. you know the people who our customers serve, and that's really the only way I can kind of keep going because I feel this like deep seated. I don't know if it's rebellious nature or or what it is, but I'm part of the machine no matter what. And I just want to stick stuff in the gears and cause a bunch of chaos. And I have to like to fight that all the time. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly why. Like, I think part of it might just be when I get to a certain level of competency, I get bored. That's one of the things we've talked about, right? But I think there's also the, like a larger existential piece to it where I realize that I'm in a system that I feel like was not built for me. Mm. Yeah. But I'm contributing to prolonging that system because I'm helping all of it. The great pyramid scheme of capitalism. (laughs) Benefiting the few. (laughs) So I'm actually a fan of capitalism, but I'm not a fan of corporatism. So I don't want to go down that hole. That's true. That whole whole rabbit trail. But like, I feel like I've become the man in a lot of ways. But at the same time, when I step back and I realize that if I look at like what my job is, like I have people who report to me. Basically what my job is, I'm in tech and I'm responsible to make sure that the millions of dollars we invest in engineering, we get a good return on that investment. <laughs> so it's like, it's an insane responsibility. Yeah. And I feel like no sane person should give me that job. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel completely inadequate and at the same time feel like I'm a badass at it. Like it's just this weird dynamic um, well, that you have to almost ask yourself at that point, then would you feel is there a part of you that would feel inadequate doing anything? You know, would you always question yourself and be like, could could this be done better by somebody else? Because maybe you really are badass at it. I mean, yeah. clearly you are because you keep getting given opportunities to do more things. So like, <laughs> yeah, obviously they think you're doing well. So like you're 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 excelling at the system that you constantly are always also questioning whether or not you belong there. Right. That's part of the problem because I'm good at playing the game too. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel that except I feel exactly the opposite in every way. <laughs> I feel that, but not at all. <laughs> no, it's a same, it's a very similar experience, except just reverse everything because okay, I'm on the I'm on the bottom sure. of this of this. You're one of the giant. peons. Yeah, I'm the peon. I'm 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 the the lead generator um, for for the, our account executives, and you feed the machine. Yeah, I'm a bottom feeder for sure. Yeah, 
Yeah. In the matrix, I'm just those little like sentinel things that go around collecting <laughs> things. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think that, uh, for me, it's been so hard to stay encouraged in a system. Uh, and I don't know how this became all about like just corporatism, well, but let's like, just go with it. But I think it, it does definitely feed into, I'm, I'm sure people will relate to us in this because it, it's where a lot of my existentialism and nihilism stems from is mm. this idea of having to spend, I mean, it, it works its way into all of my songs. It's in the the weatherman, which I have played for all of you, <laughs> right? The, you know, this idea of having to give yourself five days a week to somebody else's dream yeah, and somebody else's like big goals and big thing that they made their entire life about. And somehow I got caught up in their dream. Mm. How, how does that make sense? And so, especially when I have my own big dreams and I want to do my own big things, you know, and it's like, it starts making you think like, you know, there's not enough room for everybody to have their dreams. Some people are just going to die being a part of somebody else's dream. <laughs> and so uh, it just depends on who was given the most opportunities. If, if we're talking about between the two of us, I already know which one is going to get their opportunity and it's not going to be me because um, <laughs> the system likes you more. Um <laughs> I have more favor with God. Yeah, don't even talk. I, I have I actually just had this conversation with somebody else again yesterday about how there's certain people that I know that I'm like, if there is a God, then it only proves that he loves some people more than others. Because I know people who just keep getting shit given to them. And it just, everything works out for them all the time. And I'm like, of course you're still a Christian. It works for you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the same thought creeps in. This is what I mean by I understand the same experience, but from the opposite side of it, it's like two sides of the same coin in my mm -hmm. mind, where it's like you could get bored and then feel like nothing matters, or you can feel like you're never, you're never actually getting to the place you want to get. And therefore, does it actually matter? Like, do, do I need to keep doing this? How, how much runway do I actually have doing this? How much resources can I keep giving to this thing? Where am I going to even make it? I don't know. Should I just do something else? And I've always done something else in the past. <laughs> and every time you make a change, you end up back in the same place. Yeah. And it just feels like this endless cycle. Yeah. Of absurdity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And but if you I if you really want to black pill, then <laughs> which apparently this is what this conversation has turned into. You know, a thousand years from now, no one will have known that you existed. You oh know? my God. I think about that all the time, actually. <laughs> so um, another author, Michael Gunger, wrote that book, This, right? Yeah, um, which I is one of my favorite books. It's an amazing despite book. Despite my feelings about him. Despite my feelings about him, yeah. <laughs> and what he did after the book, which royally pissed me off. Um, but the book itself was actually really good. And it was like a really great like Buddhism 101 in my mind of kind of like really beginning, like touching on some aspects of Buddhism. Introduced me to some different thoughts of like spirituality without being spiritual, which I really enjoyed and appreciated. But he's also a five, so. <laughs> so. Five wing four, yeah. Yeah, so he makes a lot of sense in that way, in the way that he thinks and likes to go down these like crazy rabbit holes and just see where see where it leads. But I think about that. I think about the, ha the fact that we're just like here for such a small, tiny little bit of time. And then once we're gone, like who the fuck cares? Like nothing mm. matters. And the death thing, we've talked about it numerous times. I'm not going back into it very in depth because <laughs> I'm also tired of hearing myself talk about it in the editing phase. But, um, you know, going through that definitely had these lasting impacts for me, these lasting um, feelings about how life is only as meaningful as you want it to be because it's all subjective meaning at that point. Like, is there any objective meaning to anything? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, the earth hates us being here. We're a cancer to that. So like in our very existence is problematic <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, how the hell we even got here doesn't even make sense. So like, 
I don't know. I, I feel like we're we're always something bad as human beings. So like we have to be, we have to be well, our own. Well, hold on, Cody. That sounds a lot like original sin. Does it? <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> At what point do I start going down the road of like we need a savior, right? But I'm not going to go there. <laughs> we, there's no savior coming. There's no one coming. It's only us. I had a song when I was writing uh, the songs for this this uh, record I'm trying to work on. Um, I had a song that was literally titled No One's Coming, and it's that exact whole thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no one's coming to save us. It's all up to us. And that means we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thanks, guys. Well, I'll see yeah, you next that's episode. It. That's the wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> oh, man. God, if anybody wants to know what our After Hours podcast is like, it's basically this. If I just didn't edit any of this, that's what it would be. That's uh, Hopefully, we get to some place where it's a little bit more hopeful. But mm-hmm. not often, a lot of times, depending on the week we've had, <laughs> this is kind of how it ends. We'll be well, like, well, we've gone on long enough. Yeah. The, the whiskey helps, too, I think. Oh, yeah. That's true. If we were drinking wine, we'd feel different. We'd feel more hopeful and like philosophical, maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah. <laughs> I know that brings it. Long Island iced teas bring it out in me. I know that much. <laughs> we're not telling that story. Um, I think that makes it sound way worse. <laughs> Strangely, I was trying to have this talk with my husband, who was an eight-wing seven, just the other night. And I think as a mom of three children, two of which are grown and out of the house, and the last one is a senior, I'm really wrestling with the season of finding meaning in my life. So not that necessarily my life is meaningless, though I do struggle to now find the new meaning for my life. I think that that's interesting. Um, Have I overcome this feeling? Absolutely not. You know, and I don't know, does that mean I go get a job? Does that mean, well, let's be real, I volunteer a lot already for a lot of different things. Um, volunteer extraordinaire here. But yeah, I just, I really don't know how to get over the hurdle. Why? I think maybe a lack of support from my spouse. He's not really into me working outside of the home and I'm not sure how to find purpose still inside the home. Um, And he takes offense to that, and basically there's something wrong with me. And I was trying to explain that, no, that's actually not the case, and it has nothing to do with him or our relationship of 21 years. But I don't know, it's just, it's a weird cycle to be in, and I hope to find some answers soon. I think maybe in the past, I had a hard time wrestling with whether life was meaningless, but now I absolutely embrace it and totally think it is. My least favorite quote is, everything happens for a reason, because I absolutely do not think that that could be true for a million different reasons. So... The upside of nihilism. I'm really excited to hear this part. <laughs> <laughs> is that nothing matters. Yeah. 
So, I mean, you can, you can take it either way, right? Nothing matters. And then, so, you know, why even take the next, next breath or nothing matters. So like, I'm going to do what makes me feel good. And then, you know, then you get into hedonism and that's a whole other issue, but like, let's just start with like, maybe there's an upside to nothing matters. Yeah. I I actually do think I was, I was just going down the the dark hole there for a little while (laughs) just for the sake of conversation. But I actually do think there is an upside to nothing matters. Um, because I think that again, we, if we're going to attribute our own meaning to things, if meaning is subjective in our own minds, because we're, we're the central character in our own story always. Mm. And so um, everything means something because it, it benefits the main character in the story, right? It's the only reason anything would ever mean anything, whether you believe in religion or not. Even in, even in religion, even in Christianity, if we're going to talk about as white Americans, Christianity is one thing that we know the most of. Jesus was never the center of that story. We are. Jesus helped us. It's always about us, whether we want to admit it or not. It's like when I was in Christianity, it was always about me. It's always about my salvation and what happens to me after I die and where I'm going. Jesus was the side character that assisted me in getting to the place that I wanted to be to create that good story and the good ending. He was the guide and you were the hero to the story. Yeah, Yeah. you're always the hero of your own story. Um, or villain for a lot of fives. <laughs> uh, You're an anti-hero. <laughs> yeah, anti-hero. I love anti-hero stories. So I honestly believe, I mean, it's the reason why the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once makes me cry. Because it really does drive home this idea that nothing matters. And it's a good thing. <laughs> In a mm. weird way. By the end of it, you feel like it's a good thing. That, it, that nothing matters. And I highly recommend it if you haven't seen that movie. I think you would too. We've both seen it and and loved it for different all kinds of different reasons. It's got um, we had some fun conversations. After we did, <laughs> yeah. It almost makes me more appreciative and more grateful for life, knowing that it doesn't matter. Mm. Knowing that I don't have some kind of higher purpose to be living out in this world. It's only the purpose that I want to live out. And if if I choose to be a force for good in the world, then great. That's awesome. If I don't, then I mean, yeah, repercussions will probably happen. And like the system will punish me for that. But I'm also living out what I want to live out there too. So I don't know. I think nothing matters has also helped me not judge other people in weird ways. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but people do crazy shit sometimes for whatever reason. And, but everybody always has a reason. And, uh, and most of the time people think that they're doing good by themselves by doing something that may be hurtful or harmful to other people emotionally at least. And I just, I feel like it's helped me to get to a place where I, I'm a little bit easier on myself (laughs) and others. (laughs) I just give people more benefit of the doubt, I think, because nothing matters. (laughs) So why care? (laughs) You know, why do I get to decide what's right and wrong or what the best (laughs) option is if somebody should be living or doing or saying, I don't know. It's in that way, I guess that's positive, right? Yeah. I was going back to the time when we were in labor with Amy and which one? (laughs) The first one. Oh, okay. So I was with her for all 13 hours of terrible back labor which she described as felt like someone was taking an axe and just splitting like her spine in half like you know i she kind of entered this primal state right where mm. she was just focused on the next contraction and the next contraction and she mm. she described it as like feeling like she was in purgatory right? wow okay. and, and i was with her the whole way and it was this <laughs> magical experience like i i can't even put it into words it was a it was a mystical experience hmm. and i remember when our first son came out and I saw him for the first time with my eyes 
and he looked like a, a gray orc and <laughs> <laughs> but quickly like it was so surreal watching all of a sudden he like within seconds he went from looking just weird and to like the, the blood the blood comes in and yeah and the, the skin turns pink and he starts looking you know like a human yeah and then i remember you know one of the things that we do uh so there's this thing called golden hour which is where the hormones are at a certain place where it's like bonding is optimal and you're kind of trying to set this you're doing what you can to set up bonding as quickly as possible okay and and part of that is like skin to skin so he did it with Amy first and tried to nurse and all of that. And then I took my shirt off, which was a little awkward with all of these nurses and stuff around, but I sat down on the chair and I put him on my chest while, you know, they were attending to her and making sure she was okay. And yeah, and I held him there and I remember I was, I was holding him as my, my son mm. and I was so surreal in the first time and I was holding him against my chest and pressing him against my skin. And I just, I looked down and I looked him I looked at his face and he looked up in my eyes mm. and I said to him, you don't matter. <laughs> man, you really had me there. Oh, man. <laughs> I gripped you with that one. Oh, I? you did. That was so good. Oh my God. That was so funny. But isn't that absurd? Right. I mean, we've spent the last, you know, however many minutes like talking about how nothing matters. And, and, and there, I would never look any child in the eye and say that to them. <laughs> but I, I, I did to make a point, which is that we can talk all day about nihilism and mm -hmm. it's easy to say that nothing matters, but no one can actually live life that way. No. And, can for only short amounts of time <laughs> right like no because because nothing nothing functions with, no. with that and no. i choose to live a life where things matter you know where there is meaning and yeah. it does and honestly it doesn't really matter to me if i create the meaning or the meaning comes from somewhere else like right at I, the end of the day what enriches your experience exactly. when you're alive and exactly i guess that's kind of where i was getting is like you know if nothing matters then it doesn't matter you can say that everything matters i've said that before i think mm -hmm. in an episode if nothing matters then everything matters because well if everything matters that's a little overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> well, hold in, on there in, cody <laughs> in the sense that like you get to i mean we all cherry pick what matters anyway sure, yeah. so you, why not cherry pick it for a, a more enriching and positive experience i guess you know you get to choose that your kids matter mm -hmm. and and they choose that you matter to them right yeah you know, whether it's for their own survival now or not, at some point in life, hopefully you'll be a good enough dad that they'll choose you matter when you get they get older too. Right, yeah. Everybody just chooses. We make all of these decisions based on chemicals and hormones or just maybe just we have to consciously, especially with family members a lot of the time, we have to consciously decide that they matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a lot of I have a lot of extended family members that, you know, I had to consciously tell myself that they matter and I love them. And, uh, and I know that everybody can relate to that to some degree was because we're all thrown into these somehow born into these groups of people that we just are supposed to get along with forever. <laughs> and, uh, that's unnatural. And so, you know, there's everything, all, all dynamics, all, every situation, every circumstance, it either matters or it doesn't, but you get to decide that. And at the end of the day, I, I find that, uh, when I'm sitting on my balcony watching a sunset, I don't think that God made it, but I sure do appreciate it the same way. Mm. And I, I appreciate, and maybe in some ways even more so, 
Like uh, today, I learned something that blew my mind that I had never knew before. Did you know? Do you know how tides work? Uh, I think I know how tides work. Okay, well, but, but tell me. I'll just say it. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of you telling me what you think, and I'll tell you what I think. Um, so I learned today that um, there, because of the sun and the moon and the gravitational pull, there's actually bulges of water on either side of the Earth, and the land is just rotating inside the bulges of water, and so the tide coming in is just is there's no such thing as a tide. It's just the land moving in the rotation of the earth into the bulge and then out of the bulge is the tide going out. And my mind fucking exploded thinking about that. I was just like, what? <laughs> and he, so basically it was like, uh, you know, he was saying like the tides are just our outdated language of something that we don't fully understand. We didn't fully understand. And somehow we still use that just like we say that the sun sets. And that's easier than saying like, because of the rotation on the earth and the axis and the way that we're going around the, the sun, like it, we lose sight of it on the horizon or whatever, you know, he's like, it sets, the sun sets and it rises. And I thought about that and I was just like, man, how we attribute meaning, we just, we so flippantly use words and phrases all the time and just attribute meaning to them as though mm. like everybody understands how this works. I didn't understand. I have long thought about how tides work and never looked it up. <laughs> and I just assumed that, I mean, I guess like, I don't know, like the moon pulls the water and pushes it. I don't really know how that works. I never really thought about it. And I will probably be judged in our community for this entire conversation now. But uh, I always, I always hesitate to say anything like science related. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just heard this today. It's very fresh in my mind. So I mean, you can question me on it. I can show you the link. Um, but uh, it was, it kind of just blew my mind to think about. And in that way, though, right? Like, how crazy is it to sit on? a gigantic piece of land and you're the speck of dust in comparison and you're moving on a gigantic mm. planet that's moving however many, what is it, thousands of miles an hour <laughs> yeah. through space and we're watching the tides come in and out, quotes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're actually moving through water on a planet that's flying through space beside a gigantic fiery rock that's giving us life. I don't know, it's just... In those kinds of crazy things, you start thinking bigger about that. I'm like, God actually seems pretty damn small from what I always knew God as compared to like actual science. I don't know. I can understand why my brother like leaned into science really hard and he could go into like how a leaf is magical and amazing. But um, so I think that, you know, I don't know when you, when you start thinking about how small we are and how big everything else is like sometimes, you know, the, in some similar ways, the way that I used to look up at the stars when I believed there was a God looking back down on me somehow, it, it was smaller and less significant than now. when I know that I'm the only one looking up at the stars and no one's looking back at me that I know of, uh, go into the alien conversation, but, um, <laughs> We need to do an updated episode. By the way, a lot of stuff has happened since we talked about that. Hey, baby, I mean, we have a, we have room in the season. I just think that when I know that I'm I'm the only one looking up at the stars and attributing meaning, the same way that um, you know Aristotle looked up at the stars and attributed meaning, the way that Einstein looked at a chalkboard and attributed meaning. Like I don't know, it's just to me, we're all just creating meaning and then we just evolve into deciding if that actually has any meaning for us collectively or not you know mm -hmm. it's just all it's either collective or individual meaning and purpose and what makes sense and what doesn't to ourselves right now but you know nothing that i think right now is going to matter to anybody a hundred years from now if we still have humanity on a planet that's dying 
<laughs> and we're back to the black pill. And we're back. <laughs> By the way, way to low key like compare yourself to Aristotle and Einstein. <laughs> but again, <laughs> again though, I think it's I think that makes sense because nothing matters. Right. Like yeah. how how are they any more important than me? Because who decided that, right? Like who I maybe I haven't done the thing that will influence thousands or millions of people in the future. Who knows? Or maybe I'll do nothing. But very easily, Einstein could have done nothing. Let's be honest. He was a crazy person. Um, he showered like once a year, right? Or something crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make that comparison because who gives a fuck? <laughs> Challenge me. I dare you. <laughs> have struggled with some form of nihilism since I was a little kid. I remember sitting there at seven years old having these bizarre notions and concepts in my mind like, am I real? Is everything around me real? Am I the only one that's real? Do we die and sit there on clouds forever? Oh my gosh, eternity sounds like a really long time. I've had these bizarre thoughts. And I would go into rooms and kind of dwell on bizarre things like this. I think it's a five thing. I hope it's a five thing. But yes, to say that I don't now would be not true. I definitely have these random thoughts. But I know ultimately it's not in our control to know what happens. And we don't know everything. To really think of how little we know in the scheme of the universe, you can't assume that you know absolutely everything or can assume. What you can do is control your thinking. I focus on what's helping me at the present moment, you know, such as philosophy. I was raised a Christian. That goes back to your perspective on life and what's serving you right now and what's serving your health and what's serving the people around you. And that would be the way that I combat it. Otherwise, if I allow myself, I'll get stuck in my head and it's not a good or even logical place to be. So basically, I would say the way I combat it is learning. I'm a five wing four and meaning is like oxygen for me. I try to uncover the meaning behind practically everything. Ironically, I was really into nihilism during my late teens and early 20s. I even chose to write a thesis about it during high school. At the time, I argued that it was a virtue or at least a virtue in the fact that we can live a meaningful life despite the arbitrary nature of life. Seiko was a way for me to cope with my own depression at the time, to find some hope and solace amidst all the chaos in the world. As I got older, I began to open up to the idea that life is ultimately a mystery. But when I reflect on nature and its order, I can sense that there is some kind of intelligence behind it. Yet human beings are kind of still figuring it out. And we will continue for many more generations. You know, like, why do we suffer? Why are we here? These are big questions. And I've always believed that they are worth exploring. Also, because we as fives are really sensitive to logic and meaning, I think that nihilism is not so much a fact, as much as a reaction to all the chaos and seemingly illogical things in the world that we experience. You know, it's especially difficult to digest for someone who craves logic and meaning in their lives. So if we want to bring it back around and somewhere, somewhere, who knows the whole corporate conversation, right? All right. We got to make people want to go to work today. I know, right? <laughs> you know, I, I think about this a lot and 
I can't really get into this point without telling a little bit about what I do, right? So uh, I'm in product. And so basically what we do is we kind of sit between the engineering team and the stakeholders and the customers, and we make sure that the product moves forward in a way that solves customer needs and meets business objectives. And you're already bored, like just me trying to describe this, but (laughs) the... I work on a platform that essentially empowers affiliate marketing, uh, which also sounds boring. Whatever that means. Right. So, so like if you've been on Instagram, you know, you come across these influencers who talk about a product that they, they like, and they endorse this product and they say, go click on my link so Um, that I get paid for it. Yeah. And they're like, you know, it's no cost to you, but I get a little kickback for it. And if you like this product, you buy it and you know, I, I get, you know, commission for that. Essentially, that's what affiliate marketing is. And so our platform empowers that it generates those links for, um, for them. And then make sure that when someone clicks on it and, and purchases it, that they actually get credit for it and get the sale and get the money. Mm. Right. And so describing that in that way, uh, it's like, okay, well, I guess that's sort of a necessary function. Right. But I think back to a, a friend of mine, his name is Shane and he was a high school teacher in Kentucky. He and his wife both were. They both worked in education, and they had two kids. So one morning, uh, Shane was driving his son to daycare, and um, he went to drop him off on his way to work, and his son didn't want to go in, and like really freaked out to go in. Mm. And so he started asking him questions about why, and he effectively found out that the daycare was abusing kids. Oh, wow. So they were doing things like sitting on them with beanbags when they're acting up um, or locking them in the bathroom in the dark for hours when they've had an accident. And the daycare was originally run by this like sweet old lady and then someone else bought it and brought in new management and that's how they were treating the kids. So he's like, obviously I can't take my kid in there. Yeah. You know? And his son was older than his daughter. So he he drove his son over to his daughter's daycare and they were like, you know, he's too old to be here. We can watch him for a little bit, but you got to come back and get him soon. And he's like, okay, I just need to go into work and get all this worked out. And so he went into work and talked to his principal and explained the situation. And she said, I'm sorry, we don't have anyone to cover you. You have to be here. You have to handle your personal stuff on your own time. And he was like, well, what, what happens if I leave? And she said, well, you could be fired. And he said, okay, well, I'm leaving. And he left and he took his son home and he didn't end up getting fired. But the way he tells the story is he looked himself in the mirror on the way home and he said, I'm going to do whatever I can so that I never have to be in this situation again, mm. where someone else is telling me what's more important than my family. Mm. Yeah. So he started trying to figure out like how he can create a life for himself and his family that is independent of everyone else mm. um, and, and and start his own business. And so he, you know, this was back kind of in the earlier days of internet marketing and he started trying out all this stuff and was hitting his head against the wall for like six months and never made a cent. And his wife thought he was crazy, but he just felt something inside. Like I'm driven to do this. I have to figure this out. He was, so he was basically creating content online and trying to make money off of that. And he had had his laptop open in bed one night before he went to bed and was looking at his Google AdSense account and that, you know, he had still made zero, yeah, zero, zero dollars, zero cents. And the way that he tells the story is he went into the bathroom and he looked in the mirror and he was basically just like, God, give me a sign, right? If this is meant to be, give me a, a, a dime. I don't care. I just need to know that this is possible. And he left the bathroom 
went back out, thought, Hey, I'm going to check it one more time before I go to bed. And he opened it up and there's 11 cents in there. He gave him, it was a dime and a penny, right? Uh-huh. And he freaks out, starts yelling. And his wife thinks that he's gone crazy. And she's like, what is happening? He's like, I just made 11 cents online. And if I can make 11 cents, I can make $11. I can make $1,100. I can make $11,000, right? Wow. Okay. And he, he realized that he must like, be an eight. This is, this is possible. I, I don't know, but he's very, yeah, he's mm-hmm. very, he has some big energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he just pushes forward. And so just that little bit of commission changed his life. And he went from there within just a matter of months. He and his wife both had created a business online that allowed them both to quit their jobs and make more money than what they were making as educators. And then within a few years had multi-million dollar businesses online. You know what this also sounds like? Every pyramid scheme. (laughs) No, they (laughs) create... It's, I've heard this story before. I think it's uh, the story of Amway. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was not. It was not an MLM. Okay. They they created content and created. So like she was a an elementary librarian. So she created this whole like year long curriculum for librarians. And so they they huh. paid her for their her lesson plans. And he was a high school football coach. So he created you know all of these like playbooks and things. And oh. and like they just they delivered value and people found it and bought it and they built this huge like membership business off of those things. And then they ended up teaching other people how to do what they did. And, and they have an amazing life. Right. And, and it all started because he made 11 cents and he realized it was possible. And does he also have a book? Uh, he sounds like a book. He's working on it. He's, he's working with the same author coach that I work. That's actually how I met him. It was at a workshop there. Yeah. 11 cents to 11 million. (laughs) But, but the whole point for him was like, it wasn't real until he got paid. Hmm. And the platform that I work on, the, the tool that I work on is what empowers that. Hmm. And so it's easy to get focused on the day to day of all the minutia and, you know, the inconveniences and you know, the meet, the zoom meetings. Well, oh my God. Like, well, and especially cause you're on like the software <laughs> side too. So it isn't like you're like, you're not getting to know well, the people using your platform. So, yeah. So like, you know, it, it's easy to get caught up in all of that and being the gear inside of the machine. But what keeps me going is thinking about all the people like Shane that I'm helping make their dreams a reality. Yeah. You know, just because we're building things that enable that to happen. And there's so many things like that in this world. And and the the farther like we go as a society, the more and more complex it gets and the more and more like everything that we do has second, third, fourth uh, order of magnitude like effects on people. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that one way to sort of combat nihilism is to realize how connected we actually are and how our, our decisions can have an effect on other people. And our choices do matter, right? And even for me as a manager, I've had shitty managers and yeah. they've made my life a living hell. Yep. And I hate it. I came to work every day wondering if I was going to get fired. And it was a nightmare. And I know what that's like. And I also have had 
amazing managers who were mentors to me still to this day and who completely turned my life around and leapfrogged my career and gave me the opportunity to fail when I didn't deserve it and gave me responsibility when I didn't deserve it. And like I was able to achieve great things because they believed in me. And I know the difference between the two of those. And so even if I'm not thinking like outside of the, the ripples of the whatever widget I happen to be working on, I'm responsible for helping manage and mentor the people on my team and I can make or break their experience at this company. And which means like I'm affecting their day to day and how I go about building that relationship with them. And I could be, I could be a micromanager, you know, who picks apart everything that they do, which I'm absolutely not. Cause I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, or I could be someone who's like there as support, who is like cheering them on and whatever they need, I'm helping make sure they, they're set up for success. Like that is my goal. And I absolutely matter to those people. And I matter to my kids, right? And I, I matter to my wife and I matter to the people that I interact with. I matter to you. You and I matter to the people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Like, and it, and every time we talk about that, like that blows my mind, but we get so many messages of people who listen and say, Hey, I really resonated with this. Like I felt so alone and I feel like I found my people and like, and all we're doing is sitting down as two friends who have known each other way too long <laughs> and sitting in front of some mics and having a conversation about our life, the and, things that mean something and, and, to a, us, and the things that mean something to us, <laughs> right? And somehow that means something to other people. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, I think it's easy to get into that state of nothing really matters, and maybe that's true. I don't know. I think that that can be a, a helpful foundation if if it means deconstructing all of the the other things that you've have built up as mattering that aren't helping you. But at the same time, I can't really live that way. Because I, I know, I see the results of the effects that I have on the lives around me. And that continues to reverberate throughout generations, whether or not we realize it. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, life is not meaningless. But it is. <laughs> it is and it isn't. It is and it isn't. <laughs> I don't think I wrestle with it anymore. As I was thinking about this question, I got the like vague sensation and memory that I think I had some crises about it when I was really little, but it was so long ago, I don't really have any firm recollections of it. It reminds me of the cartoon where there's this little person who looks very despairing and they're like, life is meaningless. In the next frame, there's one that's ecstatic and they're like, life is meaningless. And I think that I fall into that ladder category where for me life is all cyclical life doesn't have a grand meaning per se maybe it does but does it really matter if it does because it's the choices we make and the meaning that we make of the moment that we live so I guess that's how I came to terms with that is that yeah life is meaningless what meaning are you going to make of it I genuinely do feel that way through most of my life and my day these days because I've somehow stumbled into a life where I have people that matter to me and uh, matter to me and I matter to them. Like you're saying, I generally enjoy my existence on this earth at this point um, for the most part. And I'm mostly allowed to do the things that I like to do. So, yeah, we also have to take into account like how extremely fortunate we are, right? Like, not just within our society, but the fact that like, we live in the wealthiest country in the world and we're part of like the top like 
Yeah, you know? we have an Im- immense amount of of privilege yeah. systemically and we, and otherwise, and, and, and yeah, and so we, you know, and and then we find things to complain about. So I. <laughs> Yeah, like it's, everything that comes out of our mouth is first world problems, right? It's really, it's really easy to uh, to black pill when you're kind of, you know, you don't have uh, a lot of real significant problems. Like, where am I going to get my next meal? Right? right? Yeah, yeah. We could. That's a whole other conversation, <laughs> really. So yes, we. I think we both acknowledge that we're talking about this from a place that hopefully just inspires your own conversations and your own experiences, and maybe in our community you can tell us about your experiences. But uh, yeah, <laughs> since you brought it up, now we have to. We had to acknowledge <laughs> the fact that yes, we're white cis men in, in upper middle class America, well, think, especially since we were talking about corporate America so I, much I too. the The big takeaway for me is that we as fives love to deconstruct everything. Yeah, and. I think that that's one of the main mechanisms that gets us down into this really nihilistic place because when when you take everything apart nothing means anything like when you like when you think about what language is and just speaking like you know it just sounds coming out of a hole right it <laughs> yeah you know and somehow we've decided that certain sounds mean certain things right but uh, you know it's all meaningless right and we're good at that and it's it's useful in a lot of settings, but it's not useful when you want to cherish the moments in life yeah. and and understand how you fit into the greater whole of existence and how just a tweak in your expression could make or break your kid's day, right? And and how they respond to that and how they interpret what it, the emotions that you're you're sending forth and so many little things that we just take for granted in how we interact and how we are interdependent on each other. So don't pull it apart too much. Or if you pull it apart, make sure that you start putting things back together. We can end on this too. I think it's worth noting too, this, that this human experience that I've so deeply and and terribly bashed in this entire episode (laughs) also has these unexplainable moments that we can't define them. We don't know how they happen, Mm -hmm. where something will happen and somewhere deep in the recesses of our self, whatever self is, whatever soul is, right? this warmth and feeling emerges and bursts out of us and causes us to tear up or get emotional or whatever. And there's like this inner feeling that cries out, this matters, this means something, whatever the thing is. And it happens all the time because we're human beings. And whether it's your son being born, whether it's a beautiful sunset, whether it's me watching everything everywhere all at once, uh, the movie, (laughs) not everything everywhere all at once, (laughs) but um, you know, it's certain things will always make me emotional. And I know, I mean, certain, certain things in my life, I have triggers. So I do have reasons why I know they happen, you know, whether it's stuff from childhood or whatever, make me uh, emotional when I see them or whatever, but some things you just can't explain. So we come up with different things we call it god we call it whatever but some things we we don't we don't know what it means and yet something deep within us says it means something it means something more than ourselves and so to discount that or disregard that feeling i think also diminishes life and diminishes our experience and at the end of the day all we have is our experience you know today is over and we'll start tomorrow and all we'll have is what we did today for that day like we're always writing a story we don't get to go back and rewrite it so you know i just feel like i think a lot about 
what will put me on my deathbed and how I'll feel when I get there. And I'm sure I'll contribute to that. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be right there beside me, smirking in the corner. (laughs) But, and I just, you know, I, we all should be so lucky as to get to that place in life where we can look back on a life and say that it was well lived or well experienced Maybe even did, you know, I, I, what is it? The thing that terminal patients say the most um, when they're on their deathbed, the number one thing that they say the most is that they wished that they had done more Mm. with their life and they wish they had, you know, gotten out of the bubble essentially of just living the nine to five life and doing all the things because it's, it forces life to go by way faster and you miss out on all the important things. They wish they had spent more time with their families. They wish they had traveled more, but at the end of the day, all they're saying is I wished I had done more with the time that I was given. And I just kind of want to be able to say that at the end of my life. And here I am working nine to five every single day in my apartment. I don't ever leave. you know. And yeah, so hopefully, you know, hopefully we can, I can get to a place where I, I get to do more. So the other takeaway is let's start doing more things that help us feel alive, that we're making good use of our time. Yeah. Hopefully we've sufficiently blackpilled everyone listening to, <laughs> to this, to this episode. We hope you'll come back next yeah. week. We promise it won't be as dark. Um, I, at the very least, I hope you've laughed a lot because we have. <laughs> we definitely um, laughed a lot. Yeah, I mean, what can you do but laugh when you talk about the the meaninglessness of life? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just depends on the day. Depends on the day. I wake up some days and I feel like everything has meaning, and I wake up some days and feel like nothing has meaning. So that should show you the subjectivity of meaningless or meaning rather in general. And uh, we hope that you find meaning today. <laughs> Or not, because it doesn't matter. Or not, because it doesn't matter. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see you next time. That's a wrap. See you next time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, my God. Hey, it's Cody, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. I also want to give a special thanks to our community members who shared their voice with us. If you enjoyed this episode and you're the type of person who likes helping others, would you do us a favor and share it with other people like you? If you found value in this conversation, they will too. If anything in this conversation has resonated with you, or if you have any further thoughts or questions, I want to invite you to join our community of other people like you and continue the conversation at Enneagram5.com.